Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. There is still time. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. Not every conversation will change your life, but... Any conversation can. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Bend, Oregon today, uh, where it's 51 degrees, which I really wasn't ready for. I guess I really have become a Santa Monica girl. And on the line with me is my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Julie, how are you? I'm great, Liz. And you know what I was going to tell you is I'm so happy because it is officially summertime now. It's my favorite season of the year. Uh, I love I, I, I can't get enough of summer. And I'm sorry, it's 50 degrees where you are. <laughs> it's just my little bungalow here in Bend. What I love about it, it's in a nice shady spot. So it stays nice and cool during the summer when it can get very warm here, which means it's nice and cool today <laughs> when it's not. Not warm here. So I have on like big fluffy boots and a down vest as I'm sitting at the dining room table recording <laughs> okay, this Liz. with you. Uh, Leanne is not with us today because she has been in transit. She's been all over the Pacific Northwest. We're going to fill you in a little bit more about that. But if you are listening to this and it is Tuesday, June 13th, uh, and you're in the Oregon area, uh, you should know that she's on Afternoon Live today, which is on KTU. That's Channel 2. KTU from 3 to 4 p.m. Leon is going to be on Afternoon Live talking about, Julie, she's talking about Father's Day, the forgotten Hallmark holiday. So that's a good one. It is a good one. I didn't realize it was forgotten because I think a, a lot of people are sort of in a panic mode, right? You know, we do the yeah. show on Tuesday. Big weekend coming up. They got to make sure they have some nice gift or card for um, for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently she's been researching the history. She's got some gift giving advice. You know, Leanne's good at all of that. So watch for that. Uh, Channel 2 this afternoon, uh, 3 to 4. But we have some serious news today, including the latest from North Korea, right? Right. We'll be talking about that. Yeah, it's sort of a multifaceted storyline, story Liz, and uh, we're going to get into all of that. But then, luckily, we also have your trip report from Disneyland with your grandchildren. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go deep on some of that, too. <laughs> and I have uh, an update on Operation Sea Turtle, my health and fitness program. I told you I was going to see a nutritionist last week. I wanted to let you know what she had to say. Yes. And then I have the answer to the question, Julie, why we will never be astronauts. This oh, okay. Is- I think I already know because I went on Space Mountain and so uh, uh, at Disneyland, and I'm certain that I would not qualify for any other type of space mission. Uh-huh. Okay. It's just good to know that about yourself, I think. I think it is, Liz. I think it is. But we need to start with uh, really uh, some breaking news, some serious news. Um, AP and the Washington Post is reporting this morning uh, that Secretary of State Rex Tillerson has confirmed that 
Otto Warmbier. He was the UVA student that was held in North Korea, that he was in prison for 15 years, hard labor because he stole a propaganda banner when he was visiting the country, um, he ha- is on his way home. Um, sadly, he is in a medically, he is medically been evacuated because he's in a coma. And oh they God, are so the fa- the Washington Post has spoken to the family and is reporting that he has been in a coma for almost a year, for over a year. Oh uh, sort of shortly, at, you know, the last time we saw him was when he was put on show trial in North Korea. And that um, shortly thereafter, I guess, um, they, they received the news that he was in a coma. So for over a year... You know, the U.S. government has been trying to get him out. Um, I think it is um, it must be it is must be some good news for the family that he is returning to the United States. But uh, we certainly want to keep keep him in our thoughts and prayers. I know. I know. That's so sad. You know, we we talk about North Korea a lot because, of course, you've been there and you know what a terrifying place it is just to be present. Right. And I remember when you came home from North Korea, you just said it was like the worst place on earth. And you can imagine for this young man, you know, being there for more than a year. um, Obviously, he has paid a very, very steep price. He has Liz. I mean, he was a UVA student. He did some. He did something dumb, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just he paid an, a terrible price for this. There's no other details about how this happened or, you know, what went on. Uh, and there was no mention of the other Americans, or at least three other Americans that are being held by the North Koreans. Uh, so that that is breaking news this morning. Um, but it is. It comes. It's It's layered on top of some other news that broke yesterday, two big stories the same day. First, as Secretary of Defense Mattis testified before Congress late last night that North Korea was the number one threat to the United States. Without a doubt, this is it. And at the same time, okay, are you ready for this? Dennis Rodman, former NBA bad boy, is back in Pyongyang to hang out with the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. That Uh, is just so twisted. So twisted. It is is the latest sign to me that we are going to hell in a handbasket. Okay, so Dennis Rodman is over there. He's quoted as saying he's just trying to open the door. Now, when you think about this, that he is, um, and he thinks that his former celebrity apprentice boss, who is, of course, now the president of the United States, is is supporting this. He is quoted as saying, I'm pretty sure that he would be pretty much happy with the fact that I'm over here trying to accomplish something that we both need. Ah, I mean, so- that would you imagine again that you're Otto Warmbier's parents? It is yes. terrifying to think that's who's sort of the tip of the spear when it comes to U.S. diplomacy in North Korea. Right. I mean, and for Dennis Rodman, this is his fourth trip since 2013. Really? Yes. Oh, he's been I had over forgotten there that. I thought it was this. Wow. No. So, and he is Dennis Rodman is in a rare position. When you consider that he is both friends with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, 
and President Trump because he was on that apprentice celebrity apprentice show together. And if your head has still not exploded, Liz, <laughs> the trip is sponsored by Potcoin. Okay. What is, is that? It's a cybersecurity um, uh, company that is used to buy and sell marijuana in regulated states. So I is all right. I take that I, to mean that you are if you live in a state where uh, marijuana is not you know legal, you can buy uh, you can buy marijuana on the internet using Potcoin. Oh my okay. god. But a little, a little known fact, Liz, that according to a number of uh, news outlets, again, who knows if it's true or not, that 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 the DPRK, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, is considered somewhat of a pothead paradise. Um, it is a lot like Amsterdam in that uh, uh, people enjoy smoking pot there. Really? Even- well, because they have no food, you know, <laughs> and no electricity. I mean, that is tragic. Yeah. So it is it is just absolutely mind blowing um, that Dennis Rodman is over there. And at a time when North Korea is considered our number one threat, that he is our chief envoy uh, to this very mysterious and obviously dangerous um uh, country, so uh, yeah. they are. There is there is no connection. It, it is. I don't know whether it's coincidence or not, but uh, a number of AP is reporting there's no connection between Dennis Rodman and the release of um, of Otto Warmbier. So, well, you know, I know that the Dennis Rodman thing. You know, people try to find the comedy in that, but you've said it before, and I totally agree with you. There's nothing funny about any of this. The stakes are so right. serious and so high, and I was reminded of that this weekend, I ended up watching um, a segment on 60 Minutes, which I was only watching because I was waiting for the Tony Awards to come on. But, I'll, but more, yes, more on my beef with the Tony Awards later. You are not alone, Liz. You are not alone. There seemed like there were a lot of impatient West Coasters just yeah. waiting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't get me started. Anyway, they did a fascinating segment about North Korea and went to the DMZ, but they were also uh, interviewing a former North Korean diplomat who had uh, defected and is now in South Korea. But as in the interview, he was saying that one of the things they do for their own diplomats that are stationed abroad, he was um, posted in London, is that they insist you leave one of your children behind. Yeah. So that they know you're going to come back. And then for a short period of time, they relaxed that rule. So all of his children were out. So that's when he defected. But he knew even when he defected that it meant both his brother and his sister would go to prison camp. Of course, he hasn't heard from either of them since he defected. But imagine the stakes in making that kind of a decision. I know. Yeah. It's just, ugh, ugh. And that's anyway. why this country is so evil, so diabolical, that they would that they would do that, that they would punish family members, at, you know, and which they routinely do. So, uh, yeah, it's I, it just so I will be monitoring the situation in North Korea with Dennis Rodman. I'm sure he'll make a, a some news about that, uh, but it is it is a very troubling time. Yes. 
All right, Liz, I wanted to ask you, because you are our business expert, because one of the other big stories, there's a lot of headlines about it, and it's a service I use all the time and I really like, but I don't know whether I should continue to use that service, and that is Uber. Um, Uber is, of course, the tech darling. It's uh, allegedly worth $68 billion. I know. Uh, Talk about insane. Yeah. yeah. So, but the list of things that are happening at Uber that are not good is extremely long. I mean, they are under investigation for a workplace culture that has included sexual harassment and sexism. They are being investigated for the theft of self-driving car secrets. There's under a federal probe for uh, their business practices that there have been departures by a number of their top executives, including their chief operating officer just uh, on Sunday. Um, And then the CEO, who's been under enormous pressure, is going through his own personal crisis with his mother dying in a boating accident and his father seriously injured. But it just seems like it's a a company that really pushed the limits, you know, and again, I never thought I would get in a car with a stranger, but I love, I really do like the Uber. It it is convenient. So maybe they are terrible people, but you know. But I don't want to support a company that treats its employees badly and has, you know, has where there's evidence of sexual harassment and sexism. What should I do, Liz, <laughs> the business expert? Okay, there's the business side and then there's the personal side. The business side is like crazy and out of control. And so Travis Kalanick is the bad boy CEO. And the tragedy of losing his mother and almost losing his father just a few days ago, on top of everything that's going on, you almost feel bad about adding to his miseries, right? By talking about what a miserable company it is. But then when you read, like one of the things that came out just last week was a memo he had sent to all of the employees before a big like convention slash party they were having in Miami. And it was about just like the behavioral standards and who to have sex with and who not to have sex with. And Whoa. like, and this was, you know, company-wide emails. They, they fired last week, they fired 20 people related to sexual harassment in the company. 20 yeah. people is a lot of people to fire in one fell swoop. Uh, related to just like unconscionable behavior. So yeah, I've been following this. It is, it's fascinating in a terrible way from a business point of view, because it goes to show how much if you have like, if you have rot at the core of your corporate culture, you know, most of the time that cannot be sustained forever. Uh, But then on the personal side, yeah, as a consumer, wow, they certainly did invent a fantastic product that we have all, not all, but many of us adopted this very quickly. But I got to the point, Julie, three weeks ago when I was in New York, I had reached the point where I just thought I cannot use Uber anymore. I just can't. I just can't. So I deleted it from my phone. And I added Lyft to my phone, which They're is... They're supposed to be the nice guys. The of, nice guys. Uh, of yes. the shared car yes. service uh, business. Okay. And let's just say it's no Uber. <laughs> Oh, I mean, oh. they're they're super nice, but just like I don't know, there was a certain sketchiness 
Ooh, I don't know the car. Which is not the... what you need. Like if <laughs> no. you're getting in, in a strange car with a stranger, yeah. you don't need anything else that's sketchy about that situation. I know yeah. they're supposed to be just super nice and friendly. And one of my concerns, I just heard a news report about this last night. Actually, it related to Uber, but it's probably true of Lyft too. Is they're realizing that you know because if you're a driver, you can drive for as long as you want. You just like turn yourself on and you're available. And then when you want to go home, you turn yourself off. So they're realizing from the records that some of these drivers are out there for 12 hours, 16 hours, even 20 hours. And there's no way for you to know that if you're just like a person on the street anywhere USA calling for a car, like when you have a driver that's been driving for 20 hours. Now, presumably, you know, even in a New York City cab, you could get someone who's worked a really long shift and you would not know that. Uh, But it seems like it's a little bit more controlled because there are bosses involved. So I don't know. But anyway, so your original question, you know, should we use Uber? It's a very personal decision. I have elected to stop supporting that company. Okay. Okay, Liz. All right. It's, yeah. Like I, I, I'm in Bend because I flew up here the other day on Sunday. I was just uh-huh. going to, I was going to take Uber to the airport. Decided I couldn't do that. Lyft just could not get excited about that. So I just drove myself to the airport. Too. I'm, I'm back to parking at the airport oh. now. There's nothing wrong with that. But okay. uh, anyway, very personal okay. decision. I it is just a say, consult okay. your conscience on Uber. Consult your conscience. Okay. All right, Liz. I will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Speaking of traveling, Leanne, as we mentioned, she's on TV in Portland, Oregon uh, today, this afternoon, as we record this on on Tuesday morning. But she's been all over the Northwest this weekend. And I was texting back and forth with her today because I noticed that she had tweeted out something yesterday about our sponsor, you know, it's also super good looking and spins really well. I noticed that when I've seen. Yeah. I know. More reason to be jealous that <laughs> yeah. I don't have one, Liz. Okay. 360 degree spinner wheels. I have grown to really love that. So anyway, so we really do. We love Away and uh, we recommend that you try it. Away is first class luggage at a coach price. So, okay. Right. Again, speaking well, of travel, your trip report. I was away, Liz. I I was on quite a journey. I have to say that Disney Magic and Satellite Sister Love combined to have a very special week uh, last week for me. Uh, I went Urban Nana um, uh, as part of my Urban uh, Nana uh, approach to uh, grandmothering is I do an eight-year-old trip. Okay, When you turn eight, you get to go on a trip with Nana. Alice, my oldest granddaughter, I took her to New York. Some of you met her. She came to the Satellite Sisters book event in New York, but she was on her eight-year-old trip to NYC. Ben, who turns eight this summer, wanted to go to Legoland. He is a Legoland nut. And not just uh, any Legoland, he wanted to go to the one in California. And he was very nice and invited his sister Alice to come along on the trip. She was not original. That is so sweet. And that was was optional? 
Well, oh, we didn't. Ex- uh, Nana only extended the invitation to Ben, and it was Ben that asked me if Alice could come along. Oh, so I had to nice. say yes to that. Yes. And we did indeed have a wonderful day at Legoland. It's a great place. It's good for younger kids. There's slow, gentle rides, and you do not want to miss. Good for Nana the- too. <laughs> yeah, good for Nana. And everyone there is like moving at a slow pace because they have little kids. So it's ideal, and you do not want to miss the apple fries if you go to Legoland in Carlsbad, California. But then we geared up uh, for our big day at Disney. And as you mentioned on the show, a longtime listener to the show, Nancy Surridge, reached out to me because she is she runs Magical Moments Vacations, which specializes in Disney vacations. And she asked if she could help organize my trip. And Liz, I shared some of this, our touring plan three pages of notes i mean she just she is a disney expert and she just she had so much useful and wonderful advice okay so here's the headline liz we did 13 and a half hours in the park 19 rides and attractions (laughs) we left nothing liz we (laughs) crawled back to our hotel I, I had to wake the kids up to see the fireworks because they were, were. That sounds magical. That was magical. They loved. You know, well, the thing is, Alice is 10. Ben is turning eight is an ideal age to take them to Disneyland because they're tall enough and old enough that they can go on all of the rides. So they don't have that. That horrible thing when you take a child to a, uh, to some amusement park and they're not tall enough to go mm-hmm. on the ride. You know, it just mm-hmm. kills them, you know, mm-hmm. or if they don't want to go or, or if they have to go with an adult, they, you know, that kills them, too. They don't want to do that. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And the best part of this day is Leon joined us. She showed up at around 11, but uh, because we were on a more uh, rigorous touring plan than Leon, by 11 o'clock, we had done so many rides. I mean, she was like, well, do you want to go on the, uh, you know, do you want to go on Splash Mountain? We were like, no, we've already done that, Leon. You know, we've just like everything. You want to go on the Matterhorn? No, sorry. Already done that, too. But we had we had a wonderful day. And, you know, it's a special place for us. We li- used to live in Orange County. We used to go to Disneyland a bunch. And it was great to be back. The place is still great. And it's just amazing, you know, all the people that are there, young, old, you know, it just accommodates, you know, all kinds of people. Yeah. And it's nice to see so many, you know, there were lots of gra- high school graduates there. It's just nice to see so many people enjoying themselves. So uh, that sounds super so, fun. So it was a very good combination Disney magic and satellite sister support. So I was, I, that was, that was good, but I was a little bit tired when I got home. Lisa. <laughs> I'm sure you called me from LAX as you were flying out. And even your voice was kind of shot at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, okay. I'm going to get a t-shirt, 13 and a half hours, 19 rides and attractions. Yeah, (laughs) we were just moving. But it also, at the end of the week, it coincided with, this is my annual trip where I get together with my girlfriends from college. And, you know, this is, we started with eight people in our group. We were all sort of friends and we decided, and we've been meeting that we, we, we think this was our 24th meeting. Um, Wow. which is impressive. You it know, is. Because, 
and these and many times it was not easy for for us to get together that we didn't you know it was hard to get away we all have children and jobs and responsibilities and you were living and, in foreign countries and I was living in foreign countries so we made a commitment to each other and this was our this was our first meeting since the funeral of one of one of the original members of the group died this past year and so it was it was a you know sort of a tender time with each other you know and we could hear the soundtrack of our lost lost member Linda you know because we just knew oh she would have loved this she would have liked that she would have hated this you and know Linda and, was a master organizer as part of this she, too. yes she was a, a master organizer but we you know we have six women and we have like six bossy pants women. I mean, we, I mean, listen, at one point we're in the car, the driver and the passenger in the front seat each have their dueling navigation systems and they're having a big argument about whether we're supposed to turn right or left at a stop sign. And neither is backing down because they're navigating, they're, they're using different navigating systems and they're telling, uh, you know, and each system is saying to go a different way. So we were like stuck at a stop sign. <laughs> this is a real, this group, and no matter what age we're going to be, I mean, it just, you know, there's. Is this lot- the result of all six of you graduating from the same highfalutin women's college and just feeling that you all have a very strong voice in the world? Well, I, it is, Liz. And we're just, we're, but we're, I, I was sort of reflecting on the fact that we're hard on each other. I mean, even at this point, it's still, there's a lot of questioning, like, what do you mean you are not taking Pilates? What do you mean you don't, you know, you haven't, you're not volunteering? What do you mean you're not on a low carb diet? What do you mean you don't take a vitamin regimen? You know, I mean, there still is this, you know, we've always lived with a lot of intensity and there's no letting up. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Right. Well, no, sounds a little judgy, but as long as you've all signed up for it, it is judgy, but we, but, but in a, in a very kind and loving way. So uh, you leave energized and rejuvenated and, uh, and kind of whipped into shape (laughs) and just, and you have, you have a lot of work to do when you go home. Oh, oh, that is great. That's great. Well, um, I can't believe you did Disneyland and your Women's Weekend back to back. Good for you, Julie. But for all of your travels, uh, here's where you're never going to be. You're never going to be a NASA astronaut. Uh, why, why do you say that? Liz? I say that because in yesterday's Los Angeles Times, there was a fantastic story about the brand new dozen astronaut candidates who were picked by NASA and they start training in August. And uh, there was this picture, there was just this super happy photo of all of them in their flight suits. And this is just an amazing gang of people. So I started reading about them and thought, whoa, it's just is getting harder and harder to be an astronaut. It used to be, you know, they were all from, um, you know, they were all test pilots, right, back right, in the day. Right. Uh, so, so here's one. His name is Raja Shari. He okay. is a graduate of the Air Force Academy, and he's a naval test pilot who also earned a master's degree, Julie, in astro engineering at MIT. 
Sure, uh, why not? Sure. I mean, he had nothing. He had nothing else to do. He's lying around there. Sure. Okay. He is a commander of a flight test squadron, and uh, he also flew combat missions in Operation Iraqi Freedom. So that's Raja. I think that's sort of what you're used to seeing. A pretty impressive uh, resume from him. But then I read about Yasmin Mogbelli. Now, here's her deal. She's a major in the Marines based in Yuma, Arizona, where t- she tests H-1 helicopters, Julie, whatever those are. Helic- <laughs> H-1. Again, something I'm, I'm certainly not qualified uh, to. Yes. to for- okay. So she has uh, racked up more than 1,600 hours of flight time and 150 combat missions herself. So, you know, because she also had some spare time, she attended MIT and uh, the Naval Postgraduate School and the Naval Test Pilot School. So, again, she's 33 years old. She was born in Germany, but she lives in New York now. So, Yasmin, that's pretty impressive. But then you get to the people that are a little bit further afield from, like, the test pilot um, line. This one, Laurel O'Hara. So she, uh, while in school, she earned a spot in the space program's KC-135 Reduced Gravity Student Flight Opportunities Program, Julie, which I know when you applied to that. that Weight loss? Is that a weight loss program? (laughs) No, Julie. It gives budding researchers a chance to run their own microgravity experiments. So... I was thinking that could be like wrinkle relief, something like that. Uh, but no, she also was an intern at the Jet Propulsion Lab, which is right near where Leon lives. Uh, she worked at the Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland. And now she's 34 years old. And now she's an engineer at one of our favorite places, which we find a lot of excuses to talk about, the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute on Cape Cod. So she studies extreme environments, Julie which is good if you're going to space because Laurel could end up in Mars or something. But then there's Jessica Watkins. Uh Uh, So she's already exploring Mars as part of the JPL team that operates the Curiosity rover. And you know how much we love those rovers. Those are just the best. So yeah, Jessica, uh, she's 29, Jewel. But uh, she got her bachelor's degree from Stanford and a doctorate from UCLA. Uh, So she's now a Caltech postdoc working on the geology of Mars. Julie. Wow. So, wow. Like, I, I know mean, your husband is a so geologist. Long, and- so they must have known. I mean, they kept their childhood dream. It's which I think yes. it's really good, Liz, that we still have kids that are dreaming of being astronauts, you know, and so because right. they couldn't have racked up all those degrees and experience unless they were really focused on being an astronaut. I know. Right? I know. And you think like the space program is over, but, you know, they could go to the International Space Station. We're also building those new Orion spacecraft. And there's the whole birth of the private space industry. So they could all be ready for that. By the way, Jessica, in addition to all of that other stuff, she writes short stories. She plays rugby. She's a rock climber. She coaches basketball and she flies planes. So Jessica has more hobbies in her spare time than I would have if I tried to devote full time to any of the above. So the I'm going to put this photo uh, on our the Satellite Sisters in the show notes, which is at SatelliteSisters.com, just because you look at these faces and you think, yes, these people can do anything. I didn't even mention the one who specializes in studying cave slime. Julie, cave slime. 
Is, this is, is, that, is there a lot of that on the moon or in Mars? Well, they or don't something? know. They don't know. Mars, there could be anything up there. Okay. You know, if they, if they went to Mars where there had been water, where there's water, there's slime. Is that a rule? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's all possible. Right. Anyway, so these people, men and women, have all done a hundred things that we would never even attempt. Never mind okay. succeed at. But see, you know, I'm happy I'm happy we have these people, Liz. Oh, I, we I do. don't feel jealous about this. You know, I, I you know, I do feel inadequate, but but yes. I'm happy we have the, the best and the brightest, and, and they're going to do a fine job. So well, something Urban Nana might want to think about if, you know, if Alice and Benjamin were such fans of Space Mountain, like, they still have time to be astronaut candidates. <laughs> they're, right. only, they're 8 and 10. They could get, you know, this gang is headed to Houston this summer, but, you know, just a thought, if it's their okay. dream. But okay. I think well, you're right. Only if it's camp. your dream maybe can we'll... you make it happen. We may have to have math camp at, um, at, at Nana Camp this summer, Liz. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. I mentioned that I was going to get back to the Tony Awards. <laughs> okay, Liz. Yes, you were tweeting. Uh, <laughs> you were tweeting on Sunday about your uh, irritation, displeasure, uh, resentment towards the Tony Awards. because Well, the- mm-hmm. it's, my irritation is with CBS, Julie, because the Tony Awards – are the only awards show left that are tape delayed for the West Coast. So one of the beauty parts about living in the Pacific time zone is that like the Oscars, the Emmys, it all comes on three hours earlier. So, you know, when you're watching the Oscars and it gets to be like (laughs) midnight and you can't stay up any longer to see the big awards. Right. We don't have that problem on the West Coast. And we enjoy that, especially for an award show that happens on a Sunday like the Tonys. It's great at five o'clock in the afternoon to just settle in and watch the Tony Awards. And I love Broadway. I love Broadway performers. I think from a, as far as TV shows go, the Tony Awards are usually the most the fun of all the, the don't most you think? entertaining, even if you haven't seen any of the plays, which exactly. is usually the, my, my case, it, it, there, it is just chock full of entertainment. I mean, and people know how to give a speech, a thank you speech, yes. and they move along, and there's dancing and singing. It is a good show. You totally notice that about the speeches. These are the best speeches in the business because they're actually performing and saying something meaningful, unlike most of those Oscar and Emmy speeches where people are thanking their publicist and their, you know, uh, hairdresser. A, right. <laughs> so anyway, so so it meant that the pre-show, which I'll talk about in a second, is on from like 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. because that's not tape delayed. But then you have three hours of total blackout and you have (laughs) to wait until 8 o'clock to watch the show, which means, of course, you have to turn your computer off. You have to turn your phone off. You basically have to step away from all of your devices. Which is not – that's not a natural state for you, Liz. No. Totally not. Totally not. So here's what I did. I had just arrived in Bend. Monica picked me up at the airport. We came to the little bungalow. Then she had to drive back to Portland. So I had read because we follow Eric Bergen on Twitter, who is himself quite an accomplished Broadway performer. But he's also, of course, Blake and Madam Secretary, right? Yes. Okay. So CBS asked Blake 
slash Eric, because he's the star of a CBS show, to do an online pre-show from the red carpet. So he was live online, and I thought, well, at least I'll get to see Eric Bergen, like, do his thing, and he knows who all the performers are. So it's not like having Ryan Seacrest talking to people on Broadway. He would have no idea who those people are. So, uh, and I noticed that uh, Sharon, one of our satellite sisters in the Facebook group, she was also watching online because she posted the photo of Eric Bergen interviewing Patina Miller, who, of course, is who, Julie? Daisy on the show. And now she's a very pregnant Daisy on the show. <laughs> yes. And she looked beautiful. So it was fun to see Eric talk to uh, Patina, who said she will still be pregnant. They go back and start shooting that show in August. And she will be pregnant when they go back to shooting. But she's due imminently after that uh and then he was interviewing all the fun people so that part was good he also was joking at the end he had to like like really stretch he was killing a lot of time he was waiting for glenn Close. did he break into song and dance I <laughs> no i wish oh. he had but he was just saying anything at that point so that's when he said oh by the way i'd like to announce right here that i will be taking over for bet midler in the national tour of hello dolly so <laughs> i laughed at that but anyway so that was my beef so then i watched eric bergen being charming on the red carpet and then i had three hours of complete media blackout and then could turn on the show at 8 p.m., which is how I ended up watching 60 Minutes, which I usually try to avoid. <laughs> um, but so while I was watching 60 Minutes, that's when Anderson Cooper did a story about how addicted people are to their cell phones and devices, which, of course, I was really feeling that because there I was trying not to look at my cell phone for three hours and it was killing me. And he said the average person checks their phone every 15 minutes or less, Julie. Does that surprise you? Uh, I'm surprised it's 15 minutes. Yeah, but uh, but that yeah, that's that seems about right to me, Liz. I mean, yeah. everybody's got their head down. I mean, I look around, go I anywhere. Know. Everybody's got their head down. Not he, at Disneyland, not yeah. at Legoland. But okay, that's about well, that's it. good. Well, he basically said you should watch this segment because it's uh, it's really eye opening and a little bit shocking. But he says we're all, basically all part of an experiment that a handful of companies is running long term experiments on us, right? Like so, there are two or three really powerful companies that are manipulating our behavior to try to learn how can they get us to never put our phones down. Like for instance, Julie. They said, even on Instagram, which I think of one of the friendliers of the social network, he said, they hold back on your likes and hearts and give them to you in a rush instead of just every time someone likes you because that triggers a rush in you and oh. of, of cortisol, and they know that. So they're trying to get that biological response. And then they That's showed him awful. Liz. It's awful. Okay. I, I mean, oh, you have I to watch this Instagram as well as Uber. Okay. Cause they show, <laughs> cause yeah. Cause Instagram is owned by Google, right? Or yes. Facebook yeah. or somebody, whatever they're owned, all owned by the same three people. Um, and then they showed, they had Anderson hooked up to a machine that was measuring like his heart and his breathing and all of that. And they took his phone away from him and put it just out of camera range, but he could see it behind the test administrator. And But they didn't tell him they were measuring anything to do with that. They were pretending it was just a normal test. But every time a text message came up on his phone, which he could kind of see, but kind of not, and not really reach, but wanted to, they showed you how everything jumped 
spiked, how everything spiked oh. on the test. Yeah. So I've already on my phones, so I did this about two years ago. I turned off all the notifications, all the vibrations, all of that, because I did feel a little bit like a rat in an experiment all the time. But you still see it popping up on your screen, just the like, especially now because we live in the age of, you know, breaking news every 10 minutes, right? Right. There's <laughs> a, they're always somebody, not that I asked for it, I guess I did, but they're pushing out news to you, whether yeah. you want it or not. Yeah. yeah. So I need to, anyway, it, that was kind of shocking to see the extent to which we are being actively programmed by people. And it's all what they call the gamification or brain hack. That was another oh, okay. Like when you hear that someone is hacking your brain, I think you need to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I but, agree, Liz. But I it's agree. kind of like Uber. Just because you know it's bad doesn't mean you want to stop using it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that was it. And then finally, of course, the Tonys came on. And in general, very good. Great performances. I'm not sure I really was down with Kevin Spacey's impressions. Did you watch the show, Julie? I did watch it. You did the sort of the impression, impression of Johnny Carson? Yeah. I mean, you have to be like a million years old to know who Johnny Carson is. Right. Well, that's that's true. I guess that's who's watching the Tonys. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And Bill Clinton. Uh, yeah, again, it just that just felt a little bit tired to me. Yeah. Uh, well. I noticed that Paul F. Tompkins, you know, the comedian, I follow him on Twitter. One thing he tweeted is that he said, quote, Robert Mueller should also investigate why Kevin Spacey did a Johnny Carson impression on the Tony. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Just add that to the investigation. Add that, add that to the list. So it seems like a good idea. Yeah. Impressions is kind of old fashioned. I, I'll, I'll get you that. But he can't. Uh, Kevin Spacey's not really much of a singer or a dancer. Yeah. So that's what he was left with. Yeah. Was. But I had just, when I was in New York about six weeks ago, seen Dear Evan Hansen, which is just a fascinating, very moving show. Okay, talk about people we will never be. How about those composers who won, like, best score for Dear Evan Hansen, and it's the same two, like, 10-year-olds who won best score for La La Land at the Oscars. I know, I know, I know. Okay. That is an embarrassment of riches. I mean, good for them because I loved both of those things, but that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is good. Well, we need talent, Liz, and I'm, I'm glad they're, they're talented people. So Okay. All right. So that's uh, everything I have to say about the Tonys. I just – every year I tweet CBS asking them to not tape delay it. I have not been effective yet. Maybe if we get the whole Satellite Sisterhood on board with this, we can get CBS to change their minds. But okay. I, so far I am failing, Julie. Okay. Well, keep up alive, Liz. Okay. All right, Liz, you're not much of a blue jean wearer. Do you wear blue jeans, Liz? I do from time to time. I'm not the – wear them every day kind of person, but uh, I I like a comfy pair of blue jeans as much as the next girl. Okay. Well, you know, as part of my Tuesday trends, uh, blue jeans have been in trouble for a while. I mean, they are really yoga pants and leggings have just eaten blue jeans lunch. You know, I mean, just, I mean, if you had a choice of wearing a structured, structured blue jean or yoga pants, there's no question what you're going to wear, right? Yeah, ask me what I'm wearing right now. Uh, yoga pants. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, that's it. And it didn't help when for the last couple of years, the the predominant style of blue jeans was the skinny, low, low rise jeans. Yeah. 
That's okay. just impossible. It, exactly, Liz. An impossible sp- style that pretty much everyone everyone looked bad in those uh, skinny low rise jeans. Uh, so so people just gave, they just gave it up. They just stayed in their yoga pants. They stayed in their leggings. They are not. They were not putting on those blue jeans. Which uh, and it also it, uh, going on at the same time is it. Here's the name. The trend for the week is extreme casualization. (laughs) Let me say that again. Extreme casualization. I think I witness that every day in Santa Monica, but explain to me what that is. is It is the epicenter of extreme casualization. It is just that sports apparel and everything else has just broken through. It used to be like if you worked out, you wouldn't walk around. You would never leave a gym in your workout clothes. Now, that's what people were just sports apparel was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And in Santa Monica, California, they've gone one step further uh, because they wear bedroom attire. Yes. Jump, oh, uh, yeah. absolutely. Well, yes. So because what people want is they want super stretchy, super soft fabric. OK, they yes. and so this is so blue jean companies like Gap, Levi's, Old Navy. I think those are all the same company. I'm not sure, but <laughs> they really, they've been in trouble. People aren't buying their blue jeans. So they finally have gotten it together. And this is good news that blue jeans may be able to make a, a comeback. Okay. And what's the Even key? in light of extreme casualization, Liz, because they are now finally using super stretchy, super soft fabric so that blue jeans can be as comfortable as yoga pants or leggings. And that's Uh some of the styles. Now they, you know, they have that sailor fit, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty. I don't know what that is. Yeah. You know, with the buttons on the, you know, sailor buttons. I know it's sailor, but I haven't seen that version of jeans, but I'm sure. Oh yeah. Those are, those are their happening, Liz. High waisted cropped with wide leg pants. Those sound dangerous to me. Sheila had a pair of those when we were teenagers. Yes. Totally. Yeah. They've made a comeback so that I, I just I just want you uh, not to give up totally on blue okay. jeans. OK, that <laughs> okay. Give, give them another look, Liz, because okay. or another feel, because now they're apparently um, there. You know, there are blue jeans that are soft and comfortable and can give you sort of a nice look. So yeah. okay. so you're not so you don't resort to wearing pajamas. I feel like the longer you stay in Santa Monica, Liz, the, you know, <laughs> Just, pajamas are the next step. I know. I'm worried about it, Liz. I'm well, worried. you see the pajamas and the slippers as footwear. Like, it's the whole look. So, just, it just... I know. That drives me crazy. People like, walking around in those Uggs. I yeah. mean, they are slippers. You are wearing your grandpa's <laughs> slippers out on the street. It's okay. cute when it's like a teenage girl, but it's... No, it's, it is not. No, it is okay. not. Okay. And right. I think they should leave their bedroom pillows at home. That's another thing. Okay. Okay, trend number two, moving on. Okay, sport climbing, Liz. Did you see this on June 3rd? 31-year-old Alex Honnold. He ascended 3,000 feet, the vertical face of El Capitan. Mm -hmm. I saw that because National Geographic filmed the whole thing. Okay, okay. I was recently spent six years working there. So all of the photos and all of the film, National Geographic is the whole thing, and you're going to get a whole documentary on it. Uh, Liz, and you know what? You know, let me, let's talk about the equipment that Alex had for this trip. He had some uh, shoes that were sticky rubber, so he had yeah. some shoes on. Okay, and then he had a bag of gymnast chalk uh, around his waist. That was it, Liz. Yeah. No rope, 
no nets, no, you know, crampons, no, no, you know, he, you know, he didn't put hooks in the rocks before four hours. It's what's called free solo. So you're only using the rock formations and you can, you're not using any pre-drill drill, uh, bolts or anything like that. And uh, solo, you're, you're dispensing with any kind of protection. There's no ropes, you know, you don't have. And he just climbed up El Capitan, the face of it. With uh, with just his fingertips. Yes. So. And he did it way faster than anyone would normally ever do that. So it was like yeah. speed climbing with no ropes or anything. It really is incredible. So and he got to the top. OK, it took him four hours and then he sort of hiked down. And because it hadn't taken him that long to get up there, he went to the gym after that. Did you know that, Liz? <laughs> I did not know that. OK. Wow. OK. So here is the the trend is sport climbing, this pure climbing. This is really big with millennials. They you know that climbing is now a mainstream sport. OK. Mm-hmm. And millennials like this because you don't need a lot of possessions or equipment. You just need your fingertips to go up. <laughs> Well, you do see a lot of climbing walls in gyms now, and you would not have seen that, you know, 10 years ago. One of the major climbing places in the U.S. is just just north of Bend here. Smith Rocks is like Mecca for rock climbers. So you see a lot of those people around town with their sticky shoes and their extremely strong fingers. Yeah, that's just, I mean, you must have, I don't know, Liz, I don't know if I would encourage a young child to go into sport climbing, but it is a big sport. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to seeing this National Geographic special. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. So mm-hmm. that is amazing. Okay. Third trend. Okay. Uh, do you suffer from butt knee, Liz? Just what is no. that? Butt knee. No, I'm sure I don't. If it's anything, to, yeah. If it's anything to do with my butt, how would I know what's happening back there? It's too big to look. <laughs> okay. No, no. Well, apparently the combination of wearing Lululemon leggings and attending too many Soul Cycle uh, classes has oh. created a problem that it's mainly in young people is that tight workout clothes and soul cycle type classes where you're on your bicycles and you're running around is creating a lot of clogged and irritated hair on the behind area. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that is creating a breakout people are getting acne on their uh, posterior list. Oh my God. If you were ever waiting for a sign from the universe, why you should stop doing some of those activities, isn't this it? I know that's it, Liz. So, (laughs) and it's called Butney. It has a name. It hasn't, of course it has a name. So just say no to Butney, stay off those bikes, get out of those, get out of those clothes, you know, and uh, maybe take a walk or go swimming. Okay. You you know, we don't have problems with acne uh, in the pool. There we go. So three trends for you, Liz. Okay. Thank you, Julie. That is very helpful. You know, Tuesday show, it's important to, uh, to get those, um, those trends. Okay. I have a brief Operation Sea Turtle update. Uh, Operation Sea Turtle, as you know, is my ongoing health and fitness program because I've really been committed this year to, you know, restoring myself <laughs> to a, a more positive state of, uh, of wellness. So last week I mentioned that I had a knee injury that was being treated by a chiropractor yeah. who was also slash a podcaster. <laughs> So who was pestering me with questions about podcasting once he found out that's what we do? Oh, but it did spark quite a conversation on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Trish posted a notice that said, Liz, 
ditch the chiropractor and get yourself a good physical therapist. So there was a lot of reaction to that, Julie. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, people talked about their PT experiences, their chiropractic experiences, like when they had surgery, when they didn't. And so I think it turned out to be a very positive and useful conversation with people. And Trish, I just wanted to um, uh, reinforce to you that like, actually, yeah, he was super chatty and he should not. The bedside manner was not good. But using the ultrasound on my knee has actually worked. I'm now completely cured on my right good, knee after, right. after three treatments. And I'm lucky I have a good insurance policy where chiropractic services covered under my health insurance. So, so that's the good news. And a chiropractor, not this guy, but you know, in the past I've had good luck with chiropractors treating my IT band, you know, which goes from your knee up to your hip. When I was running a lot, I had a problem with that and also with my hip. So I've never had, when you think of chiropractors, I think most people think of adjustments and spinal work. I've never had that done at a chiropractor. I've only used the sort of lasers, ultrasound, electronic stimulation. Anyway, so we're good to go. Thank you for everyone for weighing in. My attitude is whatever works for you. Right. If right. you if you have a great physical, th- I wish I did have a great physical therapist. I just don't have one. I had a I have a sports medicine doctor who couldn't see me for a month, and so I went to the chiropractor. So that's that. But then I also mentioned last week that I was going for um, an appointment with a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. So here's the quick report on that. Also covered under my health insurance. So again, I thought, why not? Um, she was very complimentary of my overall uh, nutritional balance, Julie. Good, Liz. So, well, you've been working really hard. It's I have. Yes. Yeah. So I think I'm in a good place when I sort of explained to her like what I eat in the course of the day. On the whole, she was extremely complimentary. Uh-oh. However, I got busted for one thing that I never thought in a million years was going to be my one problem. What is that? Grapes, Julie. Grapes after grapes, di- grapes after dinner. Sort of my little indulgence, my little yeah. dessert slash watching TV indulgence. <laughs> oh no, yeah. she's not done with the grapes at Why? the end, at the end of the night. Just a high sugar snack, eaten with no protein at the same time. She's not for that, Julie. Even though I thought I was doing my body a favor by having grapes, she said, by the way, did you know that a serving of grapes is 12? Like 12 what? She said, 12 grapes. It's 12 grapes. And I imagine like when I have a cluster of grapes, let's just say my serving was not 12. It was more like 30 or something. Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. be a nice little that would nice little bowl of grapes, sure. Yeah, sure. so she uh, she would like me to give up the grapes after dinner, oh. uh, or if I'm having grapes, she said just have whenever you're having carbohydrates, have them with a protein. So maybe with a little bit of say cottage cheese, Julie, or okay. yes, okay. or so your nutritionist is a, is big on cottage cheese, okay, yes. or That's Greek cool. yogurt, something like that, but no go with the grapes as the evening snack. So that's a really hard 
I had really gotten used to that. I enjoyed it. So that was that. Then I decided I would ask her about a bunch of trendy nutrition stories I've been reading lately so that she could just knock down all of the nonsense that gets printed about nutrition so I can just focus on what's true. So I asked her about this this or that, and then I asked her about all these articles I've been reading lately about intermittent fasting. Have you been seeing those? Yes. Yes. So intermittent fasting. I, I just wanted her to say, oh, that is completely bogus. Okay, here's the bad news, Julie. Not bogus. <laughs> Damn it. No, nope. she, she said, actually, the idea of restricting the hours that you eat in a day and, you know, calorie restriction, but generally the hours in a day, there is new scientific evidence that that is actually better for you than spreading your food out longer. I'm not explaining it correctly scientifically, so no need to write in. You can just go read about it. And um, so... She said, if you can, like from the moment you wake up in the morning, whatever the first thing is you ingest, say it's 7 a.m., you're having a cup of coffee, start your clock there, and 10 to 12 hours later, you should stop anything. So, Okay. Well, I mean, you know, if you eat an early dinner, yeah. I just, just never eat an early dinner. I know. Well, you're going to have to lose. So you're now I'm going to have to. So, so here's my main question. question. You have to get one. You have to get like the sunset dinner. They have, I they have discounts, Liz. I, you know, you'll enjoy <laughs> it. Early bird. I can't believe yeah. it's come to that. Early bird dinner. No, but here's my. So now I have a whole new lifestyle challenge. So say I did start eating dinner at 530. So I'd be done by 630, even if I ate really, really slowly. Okay. What am I supposed to do from six thirty every night till I go to sleep at like eleven? Uh, I don't know. So if I it's get like up a at whole seven, other day without it is food. a whole other day. I just can't. <laughs> I've been experimenting this week. It is so boring. It is so. Part of the reason I had dinner later is to give me something to look forward to. That's that's it, Liz. Weight loss is boring. There's no. It it's, is. It's, it's so boring. It's, that's why you want to just not think about it all the time. But then you mo- the moment you don't think about it, then next thing you know, you go you backslide into your back habits. So if anyone has any useful suggestions about what I could do with four hours of my life every night that isn't, you know, of course, I know I can watch TV. I know I can read a book. But come on. That, for every night? <laughs> four hours every night? I can't. Five hours. So anyway, I'm just just putting that out there. But that's my Operation Sea Turtle report, Julie. That's it. Okay. Well, Liz, it's a mystery. Okay. So we'll we'll have to come up with some suggestions for something you can do in the evening. I know okay. people are going to say we'll just go to bed, right? I know a lot of yeah. people do. Like at Leon's house, they're all in bed by eight o'clock, <laughs> but they get up at four a.m. So that's again, it's part of the lifestyle. Is you got to make you got to make the switch. But then if the clock starts at four a.m., then you have to have dinner before four p.m. I can't do it. I can't do it. So anyway, uh, open to suggestions. Uh, that's my report. One last thing I want to mention. Then I know we got to go. Is um, we're doing something on my other podcast that I wanted to mention here because I think that the Satellite Sisters would be really great for this. So, you know, I also do a workplace advice show called I Hate My Boss. Which is very fun listening. Thank okay. you. It's Thank good. you. Yes, we have my co-host is an executive coach named Larry Seal. We have a fun time doing it. But we have a special coming up uh, because we want to make sure people understand our goal is to help people enjoy your job more. Even though it's called I Hate My Boss, we're really about loving 
Dig Your Work Life. So we're doing a special episode called I Dig My Gig. Okay, you got that? Okay. Like, I got that, Liz. So it's a, it's a we, snappy title. Snappy I like title. That. I want to hear from people who who really love their job. Like, what do you love about it? Like, if you dig your gig, we're doing a whole special episode. So you can do things. You can email. Do not email it to me or to Satellite Sisters or post it on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group because then it's just a lot of work for me to get it to the producers. So you can email us at I hate my boss at wondery.com. Or you can call and just leave a phone message, and the phone number over there is 424-224-5711. So if you want to participate in I Hate My Gig, I would love to hear some great Satellite Sister stories. No, no, you don't hate your gig. You dig your gig. Oh, did I hate my gig? Did I say, see, okay. You got to work on that, Liz. Okay, because we dig dig this gig. gig, right? Yes, we love this gig. We dig it. We dig this gig. So you have special things you're out there doing. We have had several Satellite Sisters on that other show just because you guys are really good at writing in with good stories. So, like, I'm counting on you to really have some good I Dig My Gig stories. Okay, there you have it, Joel. Well, that's it. Well, there's a lot of Satellite Sister love out there. And so uh, enjoy. Okay. Yeah. That's what I say. So uh, are you at home all week? You can. I'm at home all week, Liz. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm in Bend all week, headed back to uh, to Santa Monica over the weekend. So um, have a great week, everybody. Uh, remember, you can always find us on Twitter, at Sat Sisters. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page, which you should like, and a Facebook group, which you should join. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at SS Liz, and you are at Julie Satsis. Mm-hmm. Leon yes. is at Leon Dolan. So please, we love to stay connected. Um, we are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>